We're not allowing NYPD uh, groups to march or participate in our events. It seems like we're step taking a giant step backwards. This is the worst case scenario of the oppressed becoming the oppressors. Police officers have the opportunity to take off that uniform. Black and brown people can't. What does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories? The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief. Hi, everyone. This is The Debrief. I'm Gus Rosendale, in for David Ushery. We are heading into June. That's Pride Month here, of course, a huge event here in New York, but a big change this year. Organizers are essentially asking the police to stay away. So we're going to be taking a look at those community concerns that led to this decision, to this request, and also we want to look at how basic security would work. We're also going to talk with an openly gay officer affected by this. He calls this decision very, very disappointing. And all this is coming down, as the mayor calls it, a mistake. Cops at Pride in recent years, a regular part of the tradition, from officers on the march to officers on patrol. But now, NYC Pride, main organizers of the annual June celebration, disinviting police groups to take part and hoping to cut back on the department's official security role. I honor what Pride has achieved over the years. I think that decision is a mistake. First of all, we have to keep people safe, and it's been an incredibly safe, positive event. Deputy NYPD Commissioner John Miller echoing the mayor's sentiments online, calling the decision hurtful and disappointing. The Gay Officers Action League, marching for years, now off the invite list. But NYC Pride standing by the decision, pointing out Pride was inspired by police abuses at Stonewall. And even as recent as last June, police arrested members of the LGBTQ community during a shared Black Lives Matter transgender rights event near Washington Square Park. Police claimed an NYPD vehicle had been vandalized at the time of those arrests. I think it's important that we look at our community as one family. And if one member of your family is doing something to harm another member of your family or a member of your family feels like they're in danger, you have to address it. And Officer Anthony Nuccio joins us right now. Hello, Officer. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. What was your first impression when you heard this news? Actually, I got a text message from a, a colleague, and uh, I didn't really hear it in the news yet. And he said, I'm sorry. And that was it. And I was immediately um, concerned. So I called him and he explained what he saw in the news. And I was kind of taken aback. Um, and then as more of the news came out, just felt a sense of sadness. This uh, this came about on a Saturday, and it seemed to catch a lot of people by surprise. I mean, in terms of members of the department, well, was this really a, was this a surprise move? We've seen it happen in other cities. Never thought it would happen here in, in New York City because we had always had a uh, a great reception from from the crowd at, at every Pride. So um, we never thought it would happen here in, in New York. Uh, and uh, you, this is a, a, an experience, a personal experience for you as well. Could you kind of take me back to 2019 and, and the importance of the march in, in your life? Well, I'll take you back even further. 2013, uh, my first Pride March, uh, I was nervous as can be. Yeah. I stood in the middle of the, of the contingent so no one could see me immediately. Uh, I didn't know whether the wave smile, uh, I was just very nervous. Uh, it was hot day. Um, but at the very start of the parade, I, uh, when we stepped off and hearing the crowd screaming for us as we walked by, 
my uh, attitude changed and I realized that people were happy to see us and the hair on my arms stood up. It's doing it right now, just thinking about it. And from 2013 to 2019, the last uh, uh, March I was in, that feeling never went away. Uh, you get choked up just hearing people screaming at you. Thank you. We love you. Uh, it was an amazing experience. It always has been an amazing experience. Certainly don't like waking up very early in the morning, throwing on this very hot, dark blue suit to March. Yeah. But I did it because, because of the experience, because of the people that wanted us there and, and showed us that. Uh, back in 2013, why were you nervous? I had already been out um, to most, mostly everyone. Mm-hmm. And I'll go even back and further. In 2008, when I joined the police department, I, uh, I was already out, but I went back into the, I guess, the closet yeah. because I wasn't sure how New Yorkers or persons on the, this job with the New York City Police Department would accept a, a gay male, gay man. Um, so I went back into the closet, uh, pretending I was quote unquote straight. It wasn't until a couple months into the academy where the Gay Officers Action League uh, came in and spoke and did a sensitivity training course. And I saw the goal, Gay Officers Action League sensitivity training on the roster for the day. And I, I got nervous. I, I was like, oh no, I got to go into this class, this classroom. Um, they're going to know, they're going to find out that I am somehow. Uh, and during that class, I, uh, I saw all these gay and lesbian um, cops on stage talking to us. And I was like, wow, there's, there's more than just me on this job now. And uh, I was taken aback and completely surprised. Um, I graduated the academy, got assigned to my first command, and I was still closeted with it. Uh, didn't tell anybody. Uh, I gradually worked up enough guts to come out and best decision of my life, uh, totally accepting colleagues, uh, never had a problem being an openly gay male on the job. So fast forward to 2013, my first March, while I was out to, uh, people I worked with in my individual command, I still didn't think most people out uh, in the rest of the job knew I was gay and I wasn't sure exactly how that was still going to be taken. And, uh, so like I said, I, I, I huddled in the middle of the crowd try to block myself by other cops. Um, but like I said, a few steps out and all those nerves went away and I was just filled with a, a sense of immense gratitude. It was, it was very overwhelming and it's been that way every March since. Uh, and I, I assume it's changed in, in, in later years, your involvement with goal and, and being more open today uh, in the department. I mean, did you notice changes culturally through, through the years uh, did you be, as you became more comfortable? Absolutely. I, I wish I would have came out earlier. Uh, spent too many years hiding it. And, uh, certainly the world has come a long way. Uh, New York has come a long way. The police department is leaps and bounds from what I hear. Um, the founders of goal went through a lot to get us to this point right now. Yeah. Uh, I joined, joined goal pretty much right out of the Academy. And I, I eventually served on the, uh, gold goals board in various positions. So I had a firsthand, uh, experience and how, how goal helped shape, policy within the department, policy within the city, um, accomplishing many, many, many things that 50 years ago you would never even thought would be possible. Wow. And uh, it's an honor to say I'm part of goal and it's an honor to march in the, the, the march. 
But now they're saying that that's not in the cards. It'll be virtual this year. And then you've essentially been disinvited until at least 2025. Uh, that's what they're saying. Uh, obviously, the, the relationship between the police and the LGBTQ community in, the, in this town goes back a long way. And it's been difficult, perhaps, in the past. But talking about the present right now and what you believe in and what you're dealing with, uh, do you think this taking away of that invitation does a disservice, uh, not just to uh, the police, but to the entire city. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Um, again, I say I march not for me, but for LGBT youth, other people that may be considering the police department as a, as a career and are not sure because they don't know if there's a room for them in, in the department as an openly gay person. And I feel like me marching in that parade along with my colleagues every year shows the world that we exist and and we are here and we're proud to wear this uniform and represent goal and represent the New York City Police Department and represent the city. So by not by not being there, it seems like we're step, taking a giant step backwards um, and it is disheartening and, and it's sad. Seeing what you see, you know, on on the job, there are those members of the LGBTQ community who who say they're they're intimidated by the police. They're intimidated by seeing men and women in, in that dark navy uniform. Um, what would you say to them? Obviously, you're a friendly face, but speaking for your experience with the department as a whole, if someone was to say that, what, what would you what would your response be to them? Just pull up any video of past pride marches or attend the next one if we're re- reinvited and and. And tell me you're nervous to see us walking down with smiling, waving, giving hugs to strangers in, in the street. It's um, it's understandable. I get that. We've come a long way, though, and we've made so much progress. And we always say, be the change on this department. We been, just did a huge recruitment uh, campaign, and the slogan was, be the change. I'm proud to be part of that change. I'm proud to be serving the NYPD as an openly gay male. So we're the most diverse department in the world, heard that a million times over. And every year we get more and more diverse. So we want to see the change. We want to be the change. I'm part of that change. Uh, I would encourage anyone else that may have questions regarding uh, their sexuality in this job or wanted to join the police department, that goal is here for them. And certainly the New York City Police Department is also as well. Uh, the uh, the organizers of Pride say this is part of an ongoing conversation. Possibly things might change before there's an actual march, which would be uh, next year because of the pandemic making it virtual this year. Are you optimistic that something can happen, that something can change? If you could change some element of this conversation of, of something the department is doing or not doing, is there something out there that you, you know, you'd want to do? Well, I'm optimistic. I, I see the public outcry on our behalf coming from everywhere. Some places you wouldn't even think it would come from. And they're saying this was a bad decision. So seeing seeing people step up, um, I, I hope, I'm hopeful, we're all hopeful that the decision will be reversed. And of course, the NYPD and goal will do anything um, uh, possible to push for change in the, in the right positive direction. We're ever evolving uh, and Goal is an instrumental part of that. So without us, the pro- the uh, without us, the uh, the progress would not be where it is today. And do you think if goal is not allowed in the parade for the next couple of years, will you still participate in Pride in some fashion? Well, I'm I'm always going to be a proud gay man. So um, and and have pride in who I am. And if there's an opportunity for me to celebrate 
I will. Um, obviously, being in this uniform during that march is the ultimate form of, of, of celebration for, for us. So uh, hopefully that will be rectified in the, in the future. Officer Anthony Nuccio, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Gus. David Correa is interim executive director of NYC Pride. That's a main organizer of the march and many other Pride Month activities. David, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. Take us through what led us to this decision. Well, these are conversations that have been happening for some time now, for several years, um, that have included members of NYPD, members of Goal, members of our community, other organizations like the Anti-Violence Project, um, Reclaim Pride Coalition. And it really came to a head last year when NYPD clashed with peaceful protesters during Pride Sunday. Um, and we were called to task as an organization. We were called to the table and we were told, you have to do something, you have to stand up for queer people. If I'm being honest, we took a middle of the road stance last year uh, when that happened and it did not serve us well. So we did some thinking, we looked internally, we created a community council, which is comprised of activists from our community, a task force, which is comprised of members of the organization. and we held town halls and we met and discussed not just this issue, but several issues. And this obviously being one of the bigger ones uh, and came to the conclusion that we had to protect the most marginalized of our communities. Uh, I understand this year there will not be that big march because of the pandemic. It's gonna be virtual events, uh, but down the line, things will change. You can't totally exclude the police from a big event like that in New York City. So I'm curious, how would it look and, and, and how would it work with a more, like, I mean, how do you work around the police, I guess, in your situation? Well, absolutely. And I think that's some of the confusion that's happened over the last several days is this can never be a police-free event. We don't have the jurisdiction to say that. We don't have the jurisdiction to make that decision. What we're doing is reducing the police presence, hopefully in partnership with NYPD. And we've continued to have conversations with them, not just before this announcement went out, but over the last several days as well. We're going to bring in private security, and that security team is going to work with NYPD to find out where they stop and NYPD picks up. We're also going to work with organizations like the Anti-Violence Project to specialize in de-escalation to help us with more minor issues, I guess, at the end of the day that wouldn't necessarily require a police presence. But that being said, there by no way, shape or form could this be a police free event, especially to the scale that we produce in New York City. How about officers, though, marching in uniform as an organized group in the parade? And that that is the tough part. Um, I have a brother who's a police officer, a nephew who's a police officer. I've gotten to know members of not just Goal, but NYPD through the work that we do um, and had to take myself out of the equation because this is more of a systematic issue that has to be addressed. Trans people of color are more likely to be stopped by police just the Walking while trans ban just happened in February. Um, so we had to take the, that into consideration. There's triggers for folks. We want everyone to come and feel 
completely free and safe in this space. And we did go to the table and ask Goal if that was an option for them to march out of uniform, and they said that they couldn't guarantee that. The relationship between the LGBTQ community in New York and the NYPD, of course, it goes back a long way, and 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 there are some rough chapters. I mean, I think it's important to point out Stonewall and Pride came about because of police abuses. Uh, would you also acknowledge that things have improved over the decades? And I think there are probably some members of the, in particular, the Gay Officers Action League we're talking about there, who are rather disheartened about, they, they use the term exclusion, which is not a word we typically hear from groups like yours. So what do you say to members of the force that say, you know, we are making progress, we're doing our part, and as members of the community, we're now being, you know, ostracized, which is, isn't, and isn't that the exact opposite of what pride overall is all about? And I hear that. And exclusion is not something that we want in our vocabulary. It's not something that we consider uh, as being a staple or a pillar of of our organization. But police officers have the opportunity to take off that uniform. Black and brown people can't take that off. That's a level of privilege that I think folks are forgetting. Trans women can't just take that off. And we, if you have a member of your family who's making another member of your family feel unsafe, you have to address it. And that's what we are. We're a community. We're a family. There will be ups and downs. And this is definitely a hard time for all of us. But I'm hoping that we can continue to have conversation to figure out a way to come to t- together. You, you mentioned family. I'm just curious about members of your own family who, who are on the job. Uh, when they heard about this and, and, and knowing your role in it, uh, what was that dynamic like? You know, I'm, I'm lucky that I have a family that is extremely supportive and knows that I try to come to everything from a genuine and honest perspective. Uh, my mother was an activist my whole life. Um, she stood up against police brutality before it was a, a phrase in the media. Um, and her son is a police officer and her grandson is a police officer and she loves them dearly. My, it has been hard conversations, uh-huh. but hard conversations are where we are. Um, after the, the incidents of 2020, the, the global and, and racial reckoning that has happened, I think we're ready to have these conversations and it's important to have them. On the note of conversations, I know this, uh, I guess I call it decision, uh, is in effect until 2025, which I know it seems like a long way off. Tell me more about this uh, This uh, conversation. Is it ongoing and could it lead to other changes before this 2025 uh, date that's out there? Well, we always say that we're stewards of pride. Pride belongs to the community. Pride belongs to each individual. Um, so we want to continue to have those conversations. We held town halls uh, last year. We're going to continue to do so as we move forward to hear the community out and see if we're doing the right thing. Uh, and not just about this, but about our programming in general um, and what it is that folks feel like is missing or needs to be added or is working and continues to work for them and what we should continue to do. If an officer on their own came to when there's eventually an actual in-person Pride March, hopefully that'll be next, next June, and they came on their own in full dress uniform, how do you think they'd be received? 
I think just like what we've seen this week in the media and on social media, it would be a mixed reception. Um, I would hope that we can continue to have conversations so that way we can avoid an instance like that. Um, and we, again, we would have welcomed NYPD in goal outside of uniform. And at the end of the day, what is your hope? I mean, is, is there hope for some sort of resolution? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I have a lot of hopes, big and small. I want our community to be together. I want to unite us. Um, I don't think that that solely sits with me. That sits with all of us um, to figure out how to come to a place but of, of mutual understanding. Uh, but I also would like to see more people stand up for the most marginalized and disenfranchised of our community. Um, I want to see more vocal action when it comes to protecting folks who are of trans experience or uh, people of color and less violence in terms of interactions between NYPD and our community. That's great, David. Thank you very much for your time. And we wish, as they, as they say, happy pride. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everybody. And that's The Debrief. I want to give our thanks to our production team. That's Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm Gus Rosendale, in for David Ushery, and we'll see you next time on The Debrief.